Hello, Penguins fans, and welcome to a summertime edition of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast. I'm Mike O'Brien here with Nick Hart. Nick, say hi. Summertime in the city. Lovely. I don't know if that's an actual song. But it is now. It is now. <laughs> it's going to be off your someone, second album. Someone go out there and make a remix, put a beat behind that. That's going to be the big hit. It's going gold. It's going plat. Platinum. Do we abbreviate plat now? I do. Just like I make <laughs> songs now. Wow, it's a lot has happened since the offseason. Speaking of which, I believe this is the first time on the headset for you and I since the official turn to the 2017-18 season and a lot going on. The Pittsburgh Penguins just had development camp. Of course, free agent frenzy Saturday on July 1st. Some signings in the meantime by both the Penguins and the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. A lot to go over. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a frenzy, as usual, around free agent time. Uh, development camp came and went in Pittsburgh. Seemed like another successful week with the the young guys, some prospects that people wanted to get a look at, and some unsigned free agents that often come in at development camp, turning some heads as well. More on that coming up. And, of course, the draft as well, and yes. we went through that. And it's we get excited for the draft, and then, as it comes and goes, we kind of realize, oh, wait, we won't see those players for a couple of years. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll put that in the rearview mirror for now. But development camp, like you said, came and went last week. And it's always an exciting time because it feels like training camp. But then you realize, oh, we still have two months to go. But there are some exciting names that took the ice for Pittsburgh last week, including players we've seen already. Yeah. Daniel Sprong, Zach Aston Reese, to name a few. And... Right now, Sprung and Aston Reese, they, those were the headliners. Those two players were the headliners of Bellman Camp. Yeah, and what's kind of funny is that for you and I and a lot of the fans here in northeastern Pennsylvania, Zach Aston Reese is old news, if you will, but he was the hot commodity at Pittsburgh Penguins development camp. A lot of the media types and pundits, people that or even fans of the Pittsburgh Penguins, had heard about Zach Aston Reese but hadn't been able to see him play. This was really their first look at Zach Aston Reese, and he was treated like a little bit of a minor celebrity during the discourse of development camp. He was a big deal. He really was, and Tom DePauli making his first appearance since missing the end of the regular season and postseason with an upper body injury, and he didn't skate in that three-on-three scrimmage on Saturday, but things tracking well for his return this season. The other two players getting ready for their pro career that, again, Penguins fans here in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton got a glimpse of last year Jeff Taylor and Dylan Zink, and these two players are really, well, this is the next class for the Penguins' defensive future. Yeah, yeah. Dylan Zink got brought in on an ATO late in the season last year by the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, but signed to an American League deal for this upcoming season. Uh, was a beast at the University of Massachusetts Lowell. Only got in one game with Wilkes-Barre Scranton that season finale against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, but he looked really good, really solid, just a steady defender from the back end. Maybe we'll see him branch out a little bit more offensively whenever he's got that uh, a few more games in the American Hockey League under his belt. And Jeff Taylor, what a quick development he had in the AHL coming in on an ATO last year, similarly to Zink, got in a few more games, but improved with every passing game, looked so good, so well, and he was really a standout at development camp from what you were telling me, Obi. Yeah, the coaches were raving about him during the three-on-three scrimmage in the week overall, so obviously an upward trend right now for Jeff Taylor as he gets ready for training camp in Pittsburgh come September. On the defensive side of the 12 defensemen invited, only two were undrafted free agents. 
a little bit of a different story at the forward side. 24 invited, I'd say about half of those were undrafted free agents. So some players that made an impression, one because of his name, one second because of his play, Bobo Carpenter from Boston University. He formed a nice little line with Caster Bjorquist, the second-round draft pick from last season by the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Sam Lafferty, a fourth-round draft pick back in 2014. But Bobo Carpenter, 20 years old, uh, undrafted free agent right now, but he definitely put himself on the radar, not only because of his name, but because of his play as well. Yeah, last year with Boston University had 32 points in 38 games, just a little bit under that point-per-game mark, and that was a BU Terriers squad where ice time was at a premium for guys that weren't marquee names. They had a lot of super talented freshmen and a lot of guys that were later on in their collegiate careers that were expected to get big minutes. You really had to earn your ice if you were someone like Bobo Carpenter, an undrafted free agent and a guy who had 12 goals in his freshman year, uh, stepped it up big time in the playmaking department in his sophomore year and Sounds like he did a really good job at development camp playing alongside those draft picks of the Penguins, Casper Bjorkfist and Sam Lafferty. In terms of players that I saw that made impressions, a lot of some local kids, yeah. if you will. I really liked Chase Berger out of Penn State. And from Robert Morris University, Brady Ferguson also had a nice little impact. And then, not Pennsylvania, but not too far away, out of Ohio State, Mason Jobst, am I saying that right? Yeah, I Mason Jobst. Yeah. Mason Jobst. But it was none of those players that was recently signed by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And just moments ago, Adam Johnson out of the University of Minnesota Duluth signing a pro contract after his sophomore season with the Bulldogs. A bit of a surprise, not something that was on our radar or something we were necessarily expecting. No, yeah, this is a guy that came a little bit out of left field, at least in terms of uh, those undrafted free agents that were invited to development camp. Who might Pittsburgh be looking at moving forward? It turns out Adam Johnson was their guy. He's going to leave University of Minnesota Duluth after just two seasons there. Last year, of course, the Bulldogs went to the national championship game. He had 37 points. That was tied for the second most on the team. And as you're starting to break things down in Johnson's career, probably is the case that the Penguins have probably had their eye on him for quite some time. Uh, His final season in the USHL, he led the Sioux City Musketeers with 71 points. Well, who else was on that team? Bobo Carpenter, who was (laughs) invited to Pittsburgh Penguins development camp. It's such a small world. Yeah, eh? and the Pittsburgh Penguins love drafting out of the USHL. They love going there. They love players that decide to go the college route and whatnot. So they've probably had their eyes on Bobo Carpenter and the recently signed Adam Johnson for a little bit longer than just this development camp. Adam Johnson not only leading Sioux City with the 71 points, but also second in the entire USHL. That year, yeah. So back in 2014-15, quite a productive season, quite a productive sophomore year with the University of Minnesota Duluth last season. And so that's the most recent signing we've heard of out of Pittsburgh. But Saturday was a bit of a gong show because as soon as that three-on-three scrimmage finished up, all of a sudden it was bang, 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 bang. Releases coming from the Pittsburgh Penguins about all the signings. And it was quiet for Pittsburgh for much of the day. And as one free agent was being signed and another one was going to another team, you got a little nervous. What is Pittsburgh going to do? When is it going to happen? And then it came like wildfire. And for me, a couple of 
quote-unquote re-signings. Um, you have Frank Corrado coming back, yes. but not a re-signing technically because he was on an AHL contract last year, but Case DeSmith, mm-hmm. goaltender, earning his NHL contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You and I love Casey in the locker room. We love what he brings to the Penguins team on the ice. What a story this is. This is one that you and I absolutely are excited about. Oh, it's absolutely unbelievable the way Casey DeSmith has fast-tracked himself to getting this NHL contract uh, after being undrafted, going to the University of New Hampshire, comes to play for the Wheeling Nailers, and he's the third-string goalie. He's struggling to get time in net, uh, suffers a bit of an injury too, which sets him back. But lo and behold, late in the season with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins due to injuries up in Pittsburgh, they're looking for a goalie. They signed a Smith to a PTO, and suddenly he's setting the franchise record for saves in a playoff game <laughs> in the series-clinching win over the Providence Bruins. He became the number one goalie for the Penguins in the playoffs last year, came back this year, was named to the AHL All-Rookie Team, uh, led the league in goals against average, was one of the best in save percentage. He showed that little burst during the playoffs in uh, 2016 was no fluke. 2016-17 proved that Casey DeSmith was for real, and the Pittsburgh Penguins certainly took notice and inked him to that NHL contract, the first of his career just a week ago. And Tristan Jari still on his entry-level contract. So you have the two goaltenders, Mm -hmm. Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith, that helped the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins the best defense and lowest goals against average in the entire AHL last season. So that's... Big two names returning for 2017-18. And for fans wondering out there, the plan right now is for Tristan Jari to stay in the AHL, get some more seasoning. Mike Buckley now, the Penguins goaltending coach, saying that they don't want Tristan Jari to go up to the NHL, back up Matt Murray, and just sit there. They want Tristan Jari playing games, and it's showed as much with Antti Niemi coming in to back up Matt Murray, also signed on July 1. Yeah, ding, ding, ding right there. Uh, it was no surprise that the Penguins went out and got Antti Niemi after the comments that Mike Buckley made that the plan was for Jari to get seasoned a little bit more in the American Hockey League, play as much as possible. And Antti Niemi, Niemi comes in to the Penguins organization as a guy who's coming off of not exactly his best year. Nobody, That's not a secret. <laughs> That's not a secret at all. You can look at his stats for this time with the Dallas Stars, but it wasn't too long ago he was one of the better goaltenders in the NHL. Backstopped the Chicago Blackhawks to a Stanley Cup back in 2010. Uh, then was great for the San Jose Sharks for quite some time. Things went sour for him in Dallas this past season, but now he's getting a defined backup role with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He knows what his role is. He's not going to be constantly competing for the top spot. There's none of that added pressure like they – sort of had with that two-headed monster situation in Dallas last year. This is probably prime, a prime situation for Antti Niemi to just settle in and get back to what he did best not that long ago, which is stop pucks, and he comes in cheap for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So there's your backup for Matt Murray, and there's your opportunity to keep Tristan Jari in the American Hockey League. No need to rush him, and that gives Wilkes-Barre Scranton quite a formidable goaltending tandem for the second year in a row in Jari and DeSmith. And the good thing for Pittsburgh is Niemi did not cost them an arm and a leg. Yeah, exactly. So, he comes in cheap. Yeah, $700,000 a one-year deal, so you're setting the table for Tristan Jari to perhaps join for 2018-19. And let's be honest, with Matt Murray's injury history, Tristan Jari probably is going to see some NHL time maybe this season. Knock on wood, 
Of course, we hope everyone stays healthy. But, you know, Jari up there for the first round of the playoffs last season. And we'll see what transpires here in this upcoming year. But not only Casey Smith being signed, but we work from the crease out. Mm-hmm. And for a second consecutive offseason, Pittsburgh really putting and well, I don't want to say an onus, but the focus on signing some quality defensemen. Big-time emphasis on bringing in some blue liners, depth blue liners to complement the top dogs in Pittsburgh. Of course, they're bringing back the likes of uh, Chris Letang, Ian Cole, Justin Schultz gets re-signed as well. But then you bring in those depth guys. That's what we saw Pittsburgh do last year, and they're doing it yet again in addition to inking Frank Corrado to a new deal to stick with the team. They bring in Jared Tenorti and Zach Trotman via free agency. Guys that look like they're probably going to spend some time with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And Chris Summers as well. Yes. Don't forget him. And Cannot. Chris Summers coming from the New York Rangers organization and playing with the Hartford Wolfpack mainly last season. And he was a bright spot on, let's be honest, a, a bad team. They ranked 30th out of 30 HL squads last season. And every time we saw Chris Summers, we liked him. It just, you know, he was one cog and an overall machine that just wasn't getting going last yeah, year. Yeah, what Chris Summers brings to the table um, on the ice, that is, is he's a physical defenseman, clears his guys out in front of the net, but he's got some speed to his game too. Uh, booming shot from the point. Uh, you'll see him do some spot time on the power play, probably not the top unit, but wind them up and let them fly on a second unit every now and then. Uh, really a, a well-rounded game. Nothing too flashy, but the more you watch him, you realize how good of a skater he is, his strengths in the defensive zone, and that shot whenever he gets to pull it off. And then off the ice, he's a leader. He wore the A for the Hartford Wolfpack. He's a guy who's been around the block. He's been playing pro hockey for quite some time. So he's a nice guy to have in the locker room as well. Zach Trotman, a name I particularly like. I enjoyed watching him when he was playing with the Providence Bruins. Actually spent... All of, if not, well, most, if not all of the 2015-16 season with the Boston Bruins, 38 games there. Last year, a bit of a lost season, just nine games for the Ontario Reign after suffering an upper body injury. So a chance for him to reestablish himself. And he's more on the offensive side in terms of blue liners. Yeah, yeah, that's what he brings. Uh, Ushering the puck up the ice fits into the Pittsburgh Penguins organizational system of just finding defensemen that will get the puck away from the opponent, and then put it in the hands of their speedy, skilled forwards. That's what Trotman provides. He'll probably, you know, get back into the swing of things after that injured season he had last year. He'll probably get back into the swing of things with Wilkes-Barre Scranton, but definitely an option for a call-up as the season goes on. That's what Pittsburgh likes in Trotman. 6'4", 202 on paper right oh, now. Yeah. And big he boy is too. a big boy, and from what I've heard, he is a strong defenseman as well. I don't want to say we're saying being the best for last, but just because I think Penguins fans are going to love his style of play. Jared Tenorti coming over from the Tucson Roadrunners last season, and he is a rough-and-tumble guy, a character guy, wore the sea last season for the Roadrunners after Craig Cunningham went down. So Tenorti will be another leader in the locker room and uh, apparently going to help clear the crease a little bit yeah extremely physical that's the way Jared Zanorti plays he was a first round pick of the Montreal Canadiens back in 2010 based primarily on his defensive defenseman abilities 
and just being a mean, mean guy to go up against. You don't want to go to the corner against Jared Tenorti. You don't want to go to the front of the net against Jared Tenorti. Listed at six foot six, a guy who had over 100 penalty minutes last year with the Tucson Roadrunners. He's had a handful of games in the NHL, and I remember watching him when the London Knights were in the Memorial Cup tournament uh, a few years ago and just really surprised that he hasn't found a way to stick in the NHL quite yet. Just a handful of games to his name in the NHL, 53 total. But he's a big boost to this Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins defense just by virtue of the way that he plays. He brings a definite edge and a definite mean streak. Another Minnesota boy who was also an OHL champion with the London Knights back in 2012. Uh, so those kind of sum up the new signings. Tom Sestito also resigns with the Wilkes-Barre, excuse me, the Pittsburgh Penguins and saying earlier this week he wants to finish up his career with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So Tom Sestito has found a niche. He's found a home and he provides a much needed service in today's NHL and AHL. Well, that's the thing is that whenever the Penguins made that trade at the draft to bring in Ryan Reeves into that fold after Jim Rutherford made a point to say, hey, we might need to acquire some protection for our stars. He didn't like the way they were getting knocked around in the Stanley Cup playoffs yet again. So he brings in Ryan Reeves. There are people asking, well, what does that mean for Tom Sestito? Is, is he going to have to look elsewhere for work? Is it not going to be in the Penguins organization? But Tom Sestito said he had a sit-down with Jim Rutherford, a sit-down with Mike Sullivan. They were incredibly honest with him regarding uh, what his role would be with this team, how they feel about him in the locker room, what they think he can bring to the table. And after that talk, Sestito you know, it was a no-brainer for him. Yeah. He's coming back to the Penguins organization again, and he said he wouldn't look half bad on a line with Ryan Reeves <laughs> if the <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins decide to go that way. some size and some toughness. Yeah, but he's enjoyed his time in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, too, even though he's been called up to Pittsburgh here and there, and everybody wants to be in the NHL. He's he's made this area a bit of a home for him as he's raising his uh, young son, Killian, just got married. Uh, this summer. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, Tom Sestito. If you're listening, Tom. Yeah, Tom Sestito has gotten very comfortable in this area, likes living here, and loves playing for the fans here in northeastern Pennsylvania. So we'll see whether it's the Reeves-Sestito show up in Pittsburgh oh or boy. whether Sestito makes his way down the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton at some point. But going to need to have your head on a swivel <laughs> if they hop over the boards at the same time. I think Sidney Crosby is going to feel a little more comfortable when he's out there on the ice when he's playing, for example, the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's the goal. That's the goal, after all. That's why they brought Reeves in, and that's why they're happy to bring Tom Sestito back. That's a good goal, and hopefully achieved. Other signings recently for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins announced just recently on an AHL deal. Colin Smith yes. played last season with the San Antonio Rampage and now heading into his fifth year. And here's just a guy, you know, not overly big, but good production down the middle, averaging 42 points per season, and you know, this is one of those under-the-radar signings that could benefit the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins big time. Yeah, he's a guy who really hasn't been talked about a lot uh, in the Eastern Conference because he spent a majority of his career in the West uh, playing in the Colorado Avalanche system with the Lake Erie Monsters, uh, then ultimately going to San Antonio. Got traded at the trade deadline at the 2015-16 season to Toronto. And then last year, started the season with Toronto, and then at the trade deadline, got dealt back to San Antonio. <laughs> um, but all reports about Colin Smith is that he's an incredibly smart, incredibly skilled offensive player who lead, leans more towards the playmaking side of things. You can just look at his 
AHL career stats and see how many more assists he has than goals, almost double, 114 assists to 54 goals. He's a playmaker down the middle and provides some depth offense to the Penguin squad. We'll see where he slots in in terms of line combinations as we get closer to the start of the season, but that's really what Colin Smith is, a really reliable offensive producer from that pivot position. One guy I forgot to bring up when we were talking signings by the Pittsburgh Penguins, Greg McKeg. Yeah, oh yeah, you can't forget about Greg McKeg. So Greg McKeg, another player that provides depth down the middle, and he could perhaps sub in on the third or fourth line for Pittsburgh. He could play a top-line role here for Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, but you and I have not seen too much of him in recent seasons, but again, very productive at the AHL level. Yeah, yeah, he, he really has been. If I'm being completely honest, Greg McKeg, um, in the few games we've been able to see him in the AHL, uh, has not been a player that I really got. Like, uh, you see him, and he does he does fine, but then you see how many NHL games he logs, and uh, left scratching my head a little bit, but, I mean, obviously, he keeps playing in the NHL. He's probably got something going on. He's a player that, from what I understand, it takes a while to understand the subtleties to his game. Back when he was in junior hockey, if we go back to the junior uh, farmhouse again, uh, he was a franchise player for the Erie Otters before Connor McDavid came into the fold. Greg McKeg was the Erie Otters. He hasn't been able to find that same sort of offensive production in the pros, but he just plays a steady Eddie, two-way style, can chip in for offense every now and then, and finished the season last year with the Tampa Bay Lightning up in the NHL as they tried to make that push to the Stanley Cup playoffs. They ultimately fell just a hair shy of that goal, but Greg McKaig is a guy who has split time in the NHL and AHL in just about every single one of his seasons as a pro with the exception of his rookie year back in 2012-13. I liked him when I saw him with the Toronto Marlies back in the day. I believe we saw him for a game or two last year with the Springfield Thunderbirds. Yeah. Very productive with four points in seven games, and like you said, he finished up the season playing 15 games for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So now heading into his sixth season as a pro, and it looks like Games-wise, he will be one of the veterans for the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins should he make it down to the AHL. But, again, he could be your number one line center. Number one line center and I think Greg McKegg, Tom Kostopoulos on the right side, Daniel Sprung or Zach Aston-Reese on the left side. That's a pretty potent line. Oh, yeah. That, that'd be very, very formidable. And so other signings, again, not out of development camp, but right before a guy who was at development camp, Freddie Tiefels. Yeah. Freddie Tiefels, after three years at Western Michigan University and a wonderful World Championship tournament for Team Germany, he signs after his junior season. And, again, an intriguing player for the Penguins. I want to know whether he's going to finally have a conversation with Teddy Bluger recapping that Latvia-Germany matchup that knocked Latvia out of moving on to the elimination stages. Yeah, if you're unfamiliar with what happened at the World Championships this past summer, uh, Latvia came out of the gate firing on all cylinders. In fact, they led their group at one point ahead of regular hockey powerhouses like Russia. Latvia was at the top of the group. Well, then they dropped their next three games, and it came down to the very last game of the round-robin stage between Latvia and the host country, Germany. So in front of a packed house in Cologne, Germany, uh, the Germans and the Latvians in a winner-moves-on, loser-goes-home scenario, they went to a shootout. Couldn't be settled in regulation. 
couldn't be settled in OT, went to the shootout, and Penguins prospect Freddie Tiefels put the dagger in the hearts of those Latvians and brought that packed house in Cologne to its feet with a beautiful, beautiful shootout game-winning goal. Um, so I guess he's got the shootout chops and the clutch gene, <laughs> but uh, in terms of game-to-game, game, what you can expect from Freddie Tiefels is he's very fast. He's that kind of player that the Penguins organization has gravitated towards recently, that kind of forward where he's just fast, 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 really pushes the pace of the game and can play with pace too. It's one thing to have quick feet and skate fast, but you got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. you got to be able to make plays at a top speed. A lot of his other skills are still pretty raw, so we'll have to see how Freddie Tiefels develops. Um, but, hey, he's fast, and we've seen that lead to a lot of success for the Penguins organization at both the NHL and AHL level recently. A sixth-round draft pick, 167 overall in 2015, had a chance to catch up with him at development camp and says – even though he had that sweet shootout goal, he's still trying to work on his offense. And we'll have a story and audio with Freddie Tifo probably later this month on WBSPenguins.com and or our blog skating on the Susquehanna.com. So I think that kind of wraps up the comings right now for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. We also need to talk about Garrett Wilson re-signing yeah. with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I love that signing. You and I... I don't want to say a door. That's too strong. Uh, maybe not the right tenor, but love what Willie brings to the locker room. And his presence was definitely missed in the second half of the season after he suffered that upper body injury that caused him to miss about six weeks. Yeah, yeah, that Valentine's Day injury. Uh, Samuel Moran of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms was suspended for the hit, um, but, you know, it's hard to replace that guy. You can say, oh, well, he got suspended, so it's even Steven now. No, the Penguins really missed Garrett Wilson during that time. And Garrett Wilson probably missed hockey a lot during that time <laughs> because there were some injuries happening in Pittsburgh during that time. And based on the way Garrett Wilson was playing, I think he realizes that he probably would have had a look in Pittsburgh, an opportunity to play a handful of games in the Steel City had he not suffered that injury. But what's really interesting about this is he doesn't just re-sign for one year. He re-signs for two years. This is a guy who's gone through the ECHL, gone through the AHL, played games at the NHL. Rarely has he had that consistent job security, and that's something he talked about with Tom Vineski of the Times Leader after signing, is that this job security is something that was really important to him. So he signed for multiple years with the Penguins organization, and that power game that he plays, that heavy style down the wing with a good shot, it might be something that Pittsburgh looks for in the course of these two years because now we know Chris Kunitz played that style of game. He's gone from Pittsburgh. He's moved on with his career. And Patrick Hornquist, his contract is going to be up after next year. Well, you're going to have Garrett Wilson still in the organization a year after that. So Garrett I Wilson, I feel like, very shrewd with his decisions there. He knew what he was doing by, one, returning to the Penguins organization in the first place, and, two, signing for more than one year. You want to talk about a player that – most coaches speak glowingly about it's Garrett Wilson. Oh, yeah. And, and he was one, it was a part of probably the best line and most consistent line last season for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, lining up alongside Oscar Sundquist, who has moved on to the St. Louis Blues organization, the trade that brought Ryan Reeves to Pittsburgh, and Josh Archibald. Josh now at a point where he needs to pass through waivers. So if he wants to make it to the AHL, he's got, Pittsburgh has to put up part. Josh at a point in his career where he needs to pass through waivers to come to Wilkes-Barre Scranton. So maybe a spot secure in Pittsburgh for Archibald. Again, 
a restricted free agent, assuming at this point that he will be resigned. Yeah, and his uh, speed game and heavy style as well plays much bigger than his size would indicate. Um, Josh Archibald has become a very attractive player, not just to the Pittsburgh Penguins, but around the NHL. People have noticed how good Josh Archibald is at hockey. So I, for one, feel pretty confident that he'll be skating with the black and gold in Pittsburgh next season. We're not going to break down the entire Pittsburgh Penguins depth chart and no. line combinations. No, no. It's North. too early for that still. A lot of signings to happen. And let's be honest, a lot of signings still to be Occurring around the Atlantic Division, the North Division, the AHL overall. A lot of teams making quote-unquote splashes. Sometimes you get caught up in these names going from team to team and you say, oh, that team's loading up. But it's just sometimes just a familiar name that you know. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes just the cyclical nature of the rosters, especially down here at the American Hockey League level, you can be like, oh, well, they added uh, guys one, two, and three. They're really loading up. Well, then they lost guys four, five, and six that moved on to elsewhere in the American Hockey League. So there's always a lot of moving parts during the offseason, which is another reason why we're not going to break down the depth chart of the Penguins at this point in the season. Still a lot of stuff that has to get settled down. A lot of dust has to settle before training camp. But we can talk a little bit about what happened elsewhere in the AHL, OB. All right. Well, one signing recently from the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, Chris Connery signing for mm-hmm. – Two years down in Allentown, and Hershey, Chris Bork is back. Yep. Uh, the big name in the North Division on July 1 that stood out for me, or rather the Atlantic Division, was reigning AHL MVP Kenny Agostino going to the Boston Bruins. And a lot of people think, oh, man, the Providence Bruins get the AHL MVP. He might be in Boston yeah. with the Bruins. We'll see. I think that's a calculated move by the Boston Bruins to bring in the reigning AHL MVP and scoring leader, uh, bring him in to push some of those rookies in training camp, or maybe not necessarily rookies, they'll be second, third-year pros, these young players that they want to see take the next step, their job is not necessarily secure in the NHL. A guy like, I'll just throw out a random name, Danton Heinen, who tortured the Penguins throughout the regular (laughs) season and playoffs, really good player, played some games in the NHL last year. He might be thinking, oh, yeah, I'll be in Boston full-time next year. Well, now Kenny Agostino's in the fold, who, you know, he wants to get back to playing regularly in the NHL. He's going to make these younger players train even harder to make sure they secure that spot in the NHL and training camp. And let's say Agostino does end up in the AHL. Well, now Providence has the reigning MVP. Maybe Agostino secures that spot in Boston. Well, that means a lot of these young guns that took Providence to the Eastern Conference Final will likely be back in Rhode Island. So it's a good move by the Boston Bruins all around. Indeed, and you look at the North Division, some names changing places. Matt Termina, the reigning AHL defenseman yeah. here. He goes to Montreal and perhaps Laval. Michael Layton joins the Syracuse Crunch to replace Mike McKenna, who went to Dallas, and it's just you know, it's back and forth. Kevin Bacon game worth of hockey right now. What we're going to do, not right now, but – Later this month, we're going to break down the schedule once it's released by the American Hockey League. Don't forget the Charlotte Checkers are now a part of the Atlantic yes. Division. A bunch of new teams coming to the schedule. I mean, you have Laval, Belleville, quote-unquote, new teams, though it's essentially the St. John's Ice Caps and Binghamton Senators. Yeah. And you have the Albany Devils, who are now the Binghamton Devils. So we will break it all down. And then after that, we will have team 
previews for yeah. all the opponents that will be on the Penguins schedule this season. Yeah, and that's when we'll dive a little bit deeper into who's coming back, who's new on these teams, you know, what rookies or prospects are coming through the pipeline, or who's a returning star, where are these teams likely to end up, how are these teams going to challenge the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Penguins. We'll be looking at every single opponent on the Penguins schedule throughout the summer leading up to training camp. It's going to be fun. And, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't also break down the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Penguins and how they oh, yeah. will potentially look. What if we just didn't do that? Ah, here's all the other teams. Uh, good luck. Figure out the Penguins. We're not going to let you know. Ah, you'll, you'll be at Mohegan Sun Arena, Casey Plaza. You'll <laughs> see them. You'll figure it out. You will figure it out. Nick, before we sign off, what are you doing with your summer? It's your off season. You know, players are training right now, getting ready, or maybe taking a break. Who knows? What's on tap for your summer? Not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, plugging away at the media guide again, as sure. was last summer, as will be this summer, as has been this summer. Um, catching up on a lot of shows, my friend. The summer is the time of the shows. Like the how binge watching? Oh, much binge watching. What's on the What's on the docket Just right now? Fini- finished up Better Call Saul. Oh, you you will have a hard time convincing me there's a better show on television right now than Better Call Saul. I want to talk to you about it, but I'm I don't want to be a spoiler. I could oh yeah, spoil we, could, we could we could warn right. Spoil alert. Hit that mute button for like the next thirty seconds. <laughs> what you think? Oh, it's awesome. I just <laughs> said there's, you'd be hard to convince me that there's a better show on television right now than Better Call Saul. Vince Gilligan is Picasso. Here is we here's really the thing with Better Call Saul. We didn't realize I I didn't want to get into the finale, but here's my thing with Better Call Saul. And did you watch? Did you just? Oh, I'm up. I'm I'm up to date on that. No, did you watch all of it this summer, or were you just catching? Oh up in no, this past I've season? been I've been since day one. Okay, so remember when this show was first being marketed mm-hmm. as kind of the comedy version of Breaking Bad? Yeah. What happened to that? Well, here's here's <laughs> the thing. Because that is not like that at all. I'm not sure if it was marketed that way or if that's just what everybody expected because Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad was a little bit of comic relief. You bring in Bob Odenkirk, who's a famous comedian. Uh, what was what was Mr. Show? That was his sketch. Yeah, comedy Mr. Show, show with him David and David Cross. Cross. Yeah, exactly. So you bring in Bob Odenkirk. Oh, he's expected to be the comic relief. So then whenever you heard there was going to be a spinoff show just with Saul Goodman, I think everybody just assumed it was going to be this goofy, lighthearted thing. They looked at Saul Goodman and Bob Odenkirk and didn't look at Vince Gilligan, the puppet master, and knew, oh, no, this is going to get deep. Why can't people just have nice things? I know. Why can't things go well? There was was one episode in particular, not the finale, the one right before the finale, where I was yelling at my television. (laughs) She's like, no, why, no? Here's... Because I, I, I root hard. I root hard for, and this is why this show is great, once again, why Vince Gilligan is brilliant. The team of writers he has are the best in the biz, is that Better Call Saul brought back a lot of characters from Breaking Bad that fans are already familiar with, with um, Saul Goodman and uh, Mike Trout and Hector Salamanca, like right out of the gate. They're Gus. in it. They're, Yeah, well, he kind of comes back right. in season three. But these are characters everyone's already familiar with. They do an excellent job at getting you to invest in the new characters. Not just uh, Jimmy's brother Chuck, Saul's brother Chuck. Right, Nacho. I like Nacho. Nacho. Nacho's phenomenal, but then Kim. 
Yes. Oh, oh my God. Like, I'm in love with Kim as a character. Like, I'm, I root so hard for her. Here's the thing about Better Call Saul. I was watching it this season and, you know, catching up every week. I turned to my girlfriend. I'm like, I don't know what it is about Better Call Saul. If you ask me why it's a great show, I may not be able to put my finger on one or two things. But after every episode is completed, I'm like, that was a great show. Yeah. Like, that was good TV. Yeah. And But at the same time, it is a little Sons of Anarchy syndrome mm-hmm. for me. Because if, did you watch Sons of Anarchy? No. All right. Sons of Anarchy, right when things were maybe starting to look like they would go well. Oh, they go wrong. They go wrong. Yeah. And I don't need a happy ending every time, but every once in a while, it would be nice. And the problem with Better Call Saul is if you watch Breaking Bad, you know that things are not going to go well. No, exactly. But then you wouldn't really have a show. I know. Yeah. It would be Full House or Fuller House. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's what I think people thought Better Call Saul was going to be right out of the gate. Just, oh, Saul Goodman and the 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 weird people that come through his office. At least there would be laughs, I guess. And there still are laughs in Better Call Saul. Yes. But more... More frustration. Yeah. And it's intense. It's yes. intense. So in addition to that, I'm all caught up on that. There was a new season of Love that came out on Netflix. I started that. That's Gillian Jacobs. Gillian Jacobs and Paul Rust. I think Paul Rust is a very funny man. Um, him and Judd Apatow are the creators behind it. It's pretty good. It is also intense, pretty heavy. Master of None came back. I got all caught up on that. That's brilliant. Also very heavy. Taxing. That is a taxing watch for a show that is billed as a comedy. Um, yeah, that guy's, I didn't. You know what's I? I tuned out on season one. I watched of a Master couple, of None. Master yeah, of you None. need to go back. We've I, talked well, about this before. But I, but I went all the way through season two. Like it was Wait, just, what? yeah, it was just a kind of like rainy weekend, nothing going on, and I caught the first two episodes, and I'm like, all right. But you never finished season one. I never finished season one. Then, okay. But I went. I plowed through season two. I didn't like Aziz Ansari's acting in season one. I don't think it's any different moving forward. I think you're, you prob- just you're probably right. Maybe I wasn't in the right headspace. Yeah, you I probably don't know. weren't in the right headspace. It's all about the headspace. It is all about the headspace. Yeah. So Master of None. All right. And by the way, enjoyed it immensely. You should definitely yeah. check out Master of None. What else is on the list? Um, Orphan Black is back. I am nowhere on that right now <laughs> because, like I said, I've been catching up on everything else. BoJack Horseman is going to come back. That's a brilliant show for those of you that are – 18 and older on Netflix. Um, <laughs> kids, don't watch that one. No, do not watch that one, kids. It is a cartoon. It is not um, My Little Pony. <laughs> it is not. Very, very different. What else is coming back? Halt and Catch Fire will come back later yeah, this summer. That's on, I know that's on your list. Like the summers used to be like that's when all the best movies would come out. I think all the good movies come out a little bit fallish now. Like you have the blockbusters now in the summer. Right. But. A lot of really good movies come out in the fall. All the shows come back in the summer. Because when's Game of Thrones coming back? Next month. Or this month. Yeah, exactly. Was that July 17th? 19th? I don't, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I know that's on the list no. for a lot of people. i got to start The Leftovers. That wrapped up this summer, and it has come highly recommended. I watched, I watched that, and it was awesome. Uh, right now, going through Preacher, if you're... AMC. AMC, if you're a fan of the graphic novel back in the day by Garth Ennis and... oh. I forget the uh, Dylan, something Dylan. Anyway, um, good show. A little quirky. Yeah. So 
I'm going through season two there, and I just started up The Mist, Stephen King's The Mist, which was there's a... There's a show now? There's a show based on the book slash movie, and The Mist, underrated movie starring Thomas Jane, kind of a twist ending, but it pretty could, good. Controversial ending, because that ending is not in the Stephen King short story. There you go. So they've now made a movie, uh, no, season, a TV show out of it. I what, am. What the, what network is that on? That is on. I don't know. You know, I DVR it. I believe it's on Spike. Spike TV is doing Spike compelling TV. drama television. The days of Blue Mountain State are behind yeah, us. Yeah, it's on Spike. Really? Yeah. So and through t- through two episodes, so far so good. So after an intense episode of The Mist, we get to cool off with John Taffer and Bar Rescue. <laughs> <laughs> I might change the channel. For uh, for all of my pretentiousness and uppityness when it comes to like good television and good movies, I love Bar Rescue. <laughs> it is garbage, and it might be the best thing on TV. That's the only thing better than Better Call Saul is my Bar fav- Rescue. My favorite part about Bar Rescue is how many of those bars never end up actually being rescued. Oh, yeah, a lot of them. Well, because the owners ignore John Taffer's advice. After he leaves, like two months later, oh, we're going back to the old name of the bar. We're doing things the old way. Yeah, where'd that get you? In the dumpster. And where do they end up? In the dumpster. Back in the dumpster. Is So the template is there. John, John Taffer comes in, right? Okay. And yells at, like, praises one employee, yells at another employee that's not as good. Sometimes you get fired. Sometimes they don't and like come on board with his plan it's, uh, what's the template okay here's here's the template for bar rescue idiots run a bar okay <laughs> and they run it into the ground okay. they ask john taffer to come and help john taffer invariably comes to help they have hidden cameras you can't see i'm doing air quotes they have hidden cameras in the bar and john john taffer will watch them and one night he'll show up, but they, they won't know he's there. And that's, of course, when the worst thing is happening in the bar every single time. Well, then John Taffer will bust in when things are going bad. And then he'll just scream and yell at them for everything they're doing wrong. Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> he says that a lot. But then he'll leave, right? And then he'll come back the next day all cooled off. And he's like, oh, was it a nice way we met each other last night? And then he, like, introduces himself to the staff. So that's the formal meeting. First meeting is he yells at everyone. Second meeting is he's a nice guy now. I'm going to help you out, but you need to change your ways. Well, they don't change their ways. They then have like a cold opening where they invite a bunch of people in, you know, a crowd that this bar hasn't seen in years, and they can't handle it. They crumble under the pressure. And then John Taffer's like, you failed because of A, B, C, and D. We need to fix this. Well, then they leave, and then John Taffer has like a bunch of uh, trade deals and sponsors and stuff like that that come in and then pimp out the bar. The bar becomes the most tricked-out bar in history. And then he's like, okay, now you guys can go fix everything. And now everyone is suddenly, you know, the best employee ever. Right. Everyone now has a completely different attitude. Occasionally during this discourse, someone will get fired. I feel like there's... There's always one employee that's Maybe not like quite on board. one out of every five episodes someone not, gets one fired. one employee that's not quite on board. He's, he's like the renegade. And he, for no reason, though. For no Why reason. are you not listening to John Taffer? For no reason. Because he's telling you truths. He's initially resistant, and sometimes he, that person comes around yeah. and is able to fall in line, and sometimes he gets fired. Yeah. There have been, I think, like two actual episodes where John Taffer left failing to actually rescue the bar. But 98% of the episodes end with, you know, the new tricked-out bar that they got. Everyone has their new attitude. 
and everyone feels great. The chef now knows how to properly cook a burger. They now have like a, a refrigeration system for their meat, and everything's oh, great. Man. And so John Taffer leaves. But then what you don't see on TV is sometimes these dummies decide to just go back to their old ways and their bar crashes and burns anyway. Have we learned nothing? They have learned nothing. My personal favorite is when John Taffer gets really personal for, like, no reason. Mm. Like, some guy will, like, I don't know, spill a drink at the bar, like he or he overpours the rum into the Coke, and he'll just be like, this is why your wife left you. It's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> John. Yeah, but it happens, like, once an episode, and it's great. <laughs> So uh, is that on your binge watching list this year or I this summer? I don't. Are <sighs> you just catch it when you catch it? Yeah, because they're like Sunday afternoon marathons or something like that. Like every now and then there will just be like a weekend afternoon that is wasted on five consecutive episodes of Bar Rescue. Sometimes even episodes I've seen before. I just like to watch him yell at these people. <laughs> <laughs> well, who am I to judge? Let's yeah. be honest. And like I said, for as pretentious as I can get about art and entertainment, I love Bar Rescue. We all have our guilty pleasures, right? Oh, it is the guiltiest of pleasures. John Taffer, 2020. <laughs> uh, Saul Goodman, 2020. No. Ooh. Who would I? Um, no, this is a great Jed question. Jed Bartlett, 2020. I'm going back to West Wing days. Okay. Who would be on John Taffer's bill and who would be on Saul Goodman's ticket? Sorry, not bill. Um, what's who would be on their Gor ticket? Oh, John Taffer, Gordon Ramsay, 2020. Oh, I feel like that's too much power. That's too <laughs> ma that's that's an ego clash waiting to happen. Saul would 100% have have um Mike, Mike. Herman Trout. Yeah, yeah, Mike Herman Trout for sure. Or would he be like a head of the Secret Service or FBI or would he be VP? Well, I mean, come on. Kim and Saul, that's your ticket. Oh, Kim. Yeah. What's her last name? Kim Wexler. Thank you. So Goodman Wexler, 2020. Was Howard getting because that? Then, Howard, because then Howard, also Howard's your secre secretary of state. Treasury. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. But then, but then hey, by the way, if you don't watch Better Call Saul, you have no idea what Oh, yeah, they have no right idea. Now. Sorry. Kim would 100% be running the country. Yes. Even though she would be vice president, Kim would be running the country. Saul Goodman would just be like, hey, yucking it up with Kim is a diplomats. candidate we didn't know we wanted, but, but we, we needed. desperately needed. Desperately needed. Yes. I love Kim. Don't we all? Go watch Better Call Saul. Yes, watch Better Call They're Saul. They're not sponsoring us at now all. Here's what, a, here's what a lot of people, I'm sure, are wondering. We've spent a lot of time talking about television today. Um, in order to watch Better Call Saul, do I need to have watched Breaking Bad? Hmm. I say nay. I I, I, it helps, but I think it, stand, it stands on its own. I agree. Um, it does definitely help because occasionally when a – um, Gus Frang or Mike or Hector Salamanca shows up, it's almost like they need no introduction. Like Breaking Bad fans, will know, they have this moment like, oh, it's him, where someone else is just like, okay, a new character has been introduced. But you can still follow along. The characters are compelling enough on their own that you could start with Better Call Saul and then watch Breaking Bad later. Yes. Or at the same time, really. I don't think it really... No, because they're different times. I mean, they're not... Oh, they're no. Mm. They're different timelines right now. Because Better Call Saul is technically a prequel. It does overlap at some point, doesn't it? Presumably. But here's here's the thing, is that Better Call Saul opens with the events post-Breaking Bad. There is some flash forward, yes. yes. That's okay. 
I haven't seen Breaking Bad. I mean, I went through Breaking Bad, but it's been several years between when I finished Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I don't remember every detail moment from Breaking Bad, so some of the flash forwards and some of the references are still lost on me, and it hasn't taken away from my enjoyment of the show at all. Mm-hmm. So I think you're good. Yeah. Fans, you know, when you're not watching Penguins hockey, go uh, go watch Better Call Saul. And by the way, we have months till Penguins hockey, so you have plenty of time. Oh, you have plenty of time to watch both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Well then, I think we've talked enough about TV. Yes. I think we've talked enough about hockey. Yes. So we're going to sign off for now. Here's things you need to tune in to this summer. We're going to try and catch up with a couple of Penguins players, get their perspective on their last year in the life. We did that with Carter Rowney. Keep an eye on that article coming out soon. We want to catch up with guys like Casey DeSmith, Zach Aston Reese. These guys have had monster last 12 to 16 months. Mm-hmm. What's it been like for them? We're also going to have some articles about some future the future of the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins, Pittsburgh Penguins. Guys like Jeff Taylor, Dylan Zink, Freddie Tiefels, for example. And, of course, here on the podcast, we're going to have those team previews, schedule breakdowns, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins previews. It may be the summer. It may be a time when hockey isn't happening on the ice, but there's still plenty of hockey talk to be had. Anything else you want to throw out there before we sign off here, Nick? Nope. Nope, that's it. I've discussed everything I could possibly discuss. <laughs> well, with that being said, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check out WBSPenguins.com and skating on the Susquehanna.com for all your Penguins content, articles, podcasts, etc. For Nick Hart, Nick, say bye. See you later, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you soon on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins podcast.